For this evening service, we have Elder Brother Mike Polanaki and Brother Alan Strinich, both from the Windsor, Ontario congregation. Let's keep these brothers in our prayers. Let's invite the Lord into our midst. Our Father, we chart in heaven. Indeed, it is good to have a Father in heaven that cares for his creation. We are thankful that Jesus Christ is at thy right hand, interceding for us, interceding for all those that are sick, all those that are frail, all those that are feeble-minded. And Lord God, we pray that thy Holy Spirit may touch and visit them wherever they may be. We pray, Lord, in this evening hour that the moving of thy Spirit may be upon us and that thy word may give us assurance that indeed we live, though in a dying world, we live with hope, hope that we will achieve and get that holy crown one day. Be with us, for we ask it in Jesus Christ. Amen. For tonight's meditation, I would certainly like to keep with the theme that our banner shows. I'd like to read for edification and reminder that portion of the scripture that's found in Hebrews 4, where the apostle writes as follows. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me reread that last verse, which is the theme of our camp, Eastern Camp 2009. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy when so that we can find it in time of need. Apostle Paul, to his exhortation in Philippians, declares unto the or rather Ephesians declares unto the Ephesian church and warns them and tells them in the sixth chapter to Ephesians where he writes unto them in the tenth verse, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When I first saw the banner, and I certainly thanked the Lord and Brother Philip, that was the artist that put that banner together. I did not talk to him, but it's quite evident there are people running, perhaps in a race, as Apostle Paul describes, that we're all running a race. And if we strive lawfully, we will get the crown of life at the end of that race. Life, indeed, is a race. Life itself is full of twists and turns. And life has many hurdles that we face on a daily basis. Some troubling, some perplexing problems that we see around us. And many come to camp to be rejuvenated, to be recharged, to sharpen our spiritual senses, to examine our weapons, and to refocus on the warfare that we are engaged in against the enemy of our soul. And certainly my prayer, and I trust and hope that it is each one of our prayers, that we too may be rejuvenated, refocused, that we would examine the armor that God has given us and to come to the conclusion that we are perhaps not that bold that in fact we are timid, afraid, and shy, and certainly not necessarily courageous when it comes to the warfare of our faith in fighting the good fight. There are many things that distract us in this life. We have a world that is an ever-changing world around us. And the question is, are we part of that world? Do we get caught up in the affairs of this world? Do we entangle ourselves in the things that surround us in this temporal life? If you're like me, you get easily distracted you easily see things that are around us. And we certainly do not want to talk about doom and gloom. But we need to just examine for a moment what's happening around us. People thought that 9-11 changed the world. 
And it certainly did change the world forever. But I believe that the changes that we have seen actually since last year's camp, you know, 9-11 in my humble opinion pales compared to what's happened around us and to this world just in the last 12 months. The state of change is accelerating at a rapid pace. Who would have thought that major banks would fail, that millions and billions and billions of dollars would simply evaporate into thin air? Who would have thought that the hallmark of American capitalism would come to its knees? Companies like GM and Chrysler's and many others. Even a year ago, nobody would have thought that a giant corporation that's been in existence for over a hundred years would come to naught so quickly. And while 9-11 had dramatic changes in our society, in our life, in our perspective of life, I believe it pales in comparison to the effects that the changing world is having on us, especially us as believers. And these perplexing and troubling problems affect us all, one way or another, whether it is from an asset point of view, pension point of view, Whatever point of view you want to take, these changes are mind-boggling. Economists themselves are unable to explain the phenomena. We're not able to predict the economic crisis, the financial crisis. You know, it's astounding. I thought that banks is where money was kept. And when that disappears, what happens? Our governments print more and give them more. Just an indication of how fallible these temporal things are. A reminder unto all of us that we cannot be soon shaken and that we should despair as Christians, as those that have embraced Jesus Christ and have vowed that we would become his servants, that the preaching of the gospel would be predominant in our walk of life. And yet all these things do affect us. They pause us to ponder. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, I believe, Some say that this is just the first tidal wave of things to come. As we speak, politicians are grappling with the issue of the American dollar, which is the 
really the world reserve, the monetary reserve that everybody depends on. And countries like India, China, and Russia are looking for alternatives because they have lost confidence in the almighty buck. And the question that we ought to pose to ourselves in this evening hour, how much confidence, how much trust do we place in these temporal things, these temporal things that will be eaten by moth, that will rust away, the the bank accounts that in the flash of a moment at the stroke of a computer key, disappear. It's just astounding at the events. You know, you have people like Bernie Madoff that swindles not millions of dollars, they can't even estimate, multi-billions of dollars. And brother and sister, all these things do affect us one way or or another. Do we quiver? Do we quake? What do we do with this information? And you know, we certainly live in a rapidly changing world. They said that the telephone was probably one of the most dramatic inventions in the last hundred years that has affected us the most. But I believe the changes and the rapid development of technology, the microchips, and the ability to store billions of bits of information on a small platform indeed is astounding, which is revolutionizing the way we conduct business the way we keep track of things, and the government has a hand in it all. You know, we are perhaps all too consumed with some of these toys that were supposed to make life easier. Email was supposed to make our life simpler, but we're drowning, at least I am, in sometimes dozens even up to 100 emails a day, most of which I can't even read. A glut of information, and unfortunately, most of it useless, at least to me. We get wrapped up in things like cyberspace, things that we didn't even know existed a few years ago. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all these things are at our fingertips. And yet, they sometimes tend to consume us. And even the wise people of this world, you know, I, I did bring a couple articles that caught my eye that talk about Facebook. Let me read. I don't know if this, this is written by 
a Russell Smith of the Globe and Mail. Here is his assessment of Facebook. It says, it sucks every microgram of creative juices for, uh, from your unfocused brain and wastes it in a gossip and small talk. It is a virus that turns all real thought into scattered chatter. It encourages judgment of people based on our appearance, on their appearance. And the Bible clearly tells us that we should not judge based on appearance. And certainly there's many things that we as elders become involved because of this new communications media, the accusations, the appearance of evil that is sometimes sent to us without even the courtesy of the sender telling us who is sending that information. This author concludes that Facebook is the world's most colossal waste of time. Another author recently wrote of the threatening last landslide of cultural trash. He says that we are surrounded by cultural debris, the disposable and ultimately meaningless trash of techno-innovation for techno-innovation's sake. He says it's stealing our souls. Is this technology, brother and sister and my friend, is it stealing your soul? That you're so preoccupied, filling every moment of your life with individual bits of information and junk that has no relevance. How many of us are consumed with fine-tuning our MP3 devices, iPods? We're fiddling around with a growing collection of digital photos and videos gripped hour by hour, consuming ourselves and consuming our energy and time. The question is, how much has it advanced our spiritual maturity? All these things are a ploy of the devil to rob us of the little time the commodity of time that we have. How many people sleep, actually, with their cell phones, texting day and night, back and forth? We're even challenged by accusations that our young people, maybe there's some old ones too, that are even texting back and forth during services, in the holy sanctuary and wonder if it's edifying or whether it's roasting the preacher or gossiping on the effectiveness of the message all being used in a way that the devil wants to distract us 
to distract us and rob us of our energy, to sap our energy. And if there was ever a time that we needed to, that we need to pray, to walk in faith, to come boldly in time of need, that time has come. And we pray that this week that we would be collectively able to examine the armor that God has given us, examine how bold we are, that we would reflect and introspect and self-examine each one of our lives to see to what extent have we fallen into the trap of the world and all the junk. You know, I believe that idolatry, at least in my mind, has a new meaning with all of these toys and devices that the marketers are displaying and urging us to buy and avail ourselves of the latest and the greatest thing that's on the market. Again, being consumed and preoccupied by the affairs of this life. Apostle Paul, in his exhortation to Corinthians, I believe, says that no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this world. And that's precisely where we are today. Let's examine our lives individually. Take an inventory of our time spent in different activities and ask ourselves, are we working to glorify God or are we working to please ourselves, to allow ourselves to do those things that are convenient for us, that are fun and that perhaps bring temporary relief from all the stresses surrounding us. You know, later on in the week, there's a forum on addictions. And when we talk about addictions, we normally categorize those into one or two or three categories, whether it's substance abuse, alcoholism, or whatever it is. But yet, each one of us have individual addictions. Maybe it's the fact that you're a perfectionist, and the task and the chore that you have to do, whether it's at work or at home, is robbing you of precious time to do and engage in other activities that will bring eternal glory to God, to those with whom you engage, and certainly to yourself. We are faced with a mass of information around us 
and yet we find it difficult when we counsel with young souls. One of the questions we ask them is how much time they spend in prayer, how much time they spend in reading the Bible, how much time they spend in fulfilling Christian duties. You know, we're all eager to serve and we wish to do something magnificent for the Lord. We wish that we would convert, be able to convert hundreds. And yet, when we are asked to spend time with a single soul that may be lost, wandering in darkness, we're afraid to commit time to spend with those that are still outside the fold of grace. Brother George mentioned Andrew when he was the one that brought the basket or the lad with the basket of bread and two fish. And Andrew is not mentioned much in the New Testament. Certainly, there doesn't appear to be epistles written by him. There is no record of him being one of the great apostles preaching the gospel, moving perhaps thousands to repentance, but yet he was the silent type that actually brought his brother Peter to Christ. The Bible says that he was a disciple of John the Baptist, and upon Seeing the Son of God, he was one of the first ones, him and John, I believe, that became disciples of Jesus Christ. It was he who brought his brother, Peter, unto Christ when he said, We have found the Messiah. It was he that was working in the background and I can't imagine the Bible without Peter being mentioned in it. But yet, Andrew is the one that brought him to Christ. We live in a time when we want to great things. We want to, to do uh, great things and make big achievements in our spiritual walk of life, but we are afraid to commit to small chores. Let us become Andrew-minded that we would seek out the soul that is lost, that we haven't seen for a while. And you know, let's use that new technology unto good not for gossiping, not for empty chatter, but let's use it 
to the honor and glory of God. And you know, we spend a lot of money. Some people would rather give up a meal or a car or a tank full of gas before they'll give up their cell phone or iPod or one of the new toys. Let's use those devices unto the honor and glory of God. Let's become Andrews in seeking out the lost souls, pulling the ones out of fire. That's being bold in time of need. Do we assess the need? Are we able to focus? You see, when we're distracted by all these things, we lose focus and we're unable to reason, and it's like being addicted to a, a drug or alcohol, where you lose all sense of your surroundings. And certainly the mode of communication has changed, and not for the better, because we've even lost, they say the new generation has lost the ability to communicate one to another. It's easier to text your friends than it is to make an effort to even call them, or better still, sit down with them face to face. Most of our problems, most of our difficulties arise because of miscommunication, because of misunderstanding. And certainly, this technology is full of it. And we encourage, I encourage myself, because for me it's a lot easier sometimes to send an email than to make a personal call or to go out and seek somebody that I haven't maybe talked to for weeks or months. We are called to be bold, not to be afraid, not to be timid. And how often do we face Goliaths in our life, insurmountable problems that appear to have no logical answer? You know, the children of Israel were facing the Philistines. And certainly in past battles, they had shown to be bold, to be courageous, Yet, when the armies of Israel and King Saul faced Goliath, they were afraid and they fled. When Goliath defied the armies of God, there was not a single man that found enough courage to withstand and to oppose that infidel. It was little David that walked in faith, that trusted in God and knew that God would deliver him even from this giant called Goliath because he realized that the battle was not his. The battle is the Lord's. And brother and sister, all of us that have enlisted 
in the army of God? Are we courageous? Are we bold? Do we use all our weapons intelligently to the best of our abilities? Or are we timid, afraid, and maybe even cowards? You know, the Spirit of Christ is not being displayed when we show attributes of fright, uncertainty, and lack of trust. That, that means that we really don't trust God when we're afraid and timid. Let us be Davids and face the giants in our lives. And there may be some that have not enlisted into the army of God. Too busy, too preoccupied, too entangled with the affairs of this world even to consider. Oh yes, not today, but someday tomorrow. The Bible that God does not promise us tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring the sorrows of tomorrow. And we need not fear, for we have God at our side. God will carry us through when we have perplexing and troubling problems. The Bible exhorts us that we should not be distressed. Even when we're persecuted, for we know that the enemy of our soul can perhaps destroy the body, but the soul, the soul which is God's, will go back to God. And we need to preserve the sanctity of that soul. And we can do it through God's help, because Jesus Christ made that guarantee when he washed us with the blood of Christ, with his own blood, and when he ascended unto heaven and took his rightful place at the right hand of God, interceding for our frailties and recognizing that we ourselves are tempted as he was tempted, yet without sin. And he gives us the ability to avail ourselves of his power. It is time of need now. And let's come boldly unto the throne of grace because the crown of victory will be elusive to some. Only those that strive, only those that commit themselves wholly and totally will receive that crown of life. We pray that each one would be able to temper those things that are distracting us, that we would ask God that he would forgive us, that we would first of all repent of our frailties, our infirmities, our sins, that we would ask him that he would give us courage to march on so that we can find victory, 
that we can overcome the enemy of our soul, and that we can bring others unto Christ because we realize that the time is at hand, and time fairly soon, looking at the events of this world, looking at the prophecies being fulfilled, looking at the state of chaos that is constantly increasing, it should give us actually hope and courage that Christ will come soon to redeem his own. And let us pray that we would be amongst, counted amongst the ones that we'll be faithful enough that we would be able to walk in faith. For the conclusion, let's pray that the Holy Spirit may empower us, may embolden us, so that we would be able to live by faith. The songwriter says, Living by faith, I care not today what tomorrow will bring. If shadow or sunshine or rain, the Lord I know ruleth over everything, and all my worry is vain. Living by faith, yes, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love, from all harm safe in his sheltering arm, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. May the, these few words and the encouragement of the poet that wrote these words, may they be able to still our hearts. May they give us boldness so that we could approach the throne of grace and that we may be able to find victory in all our endeavors, all our battles because the battle indeed is not ours. The battle is the Lord's.